Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to health care. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thank you for joining us this afternoon. I am here with Larry and John. Gentlemen, good, good afternoon, afternoon, Dr. Mark. Mark. Hey, we're in for a good one today. We We've are. got uh, some great guests. Uh, yes. We'll, we'll uh, start off the show this afternoon touching a little bit on, because uh, we have been touching on the COVID and the vac- vaccines. We're picking but a disease of the week. A disease yeah. of the week. Yeah, yeah that, right. I think, you know, as Larry, well, you had a really mm-hmm. good statement. We've been talking about the pandemic and COVID. Yeah. Uh, everybody's been talking about it for over a year now. For over a year, but the the big issue is all these other diseases like Alzheimer's, diabetes, they didn't take the year off. No, no, and 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 as you watch the news, you kind of see some of the stories that are coming about COVID, they're almost ancillary. They're kind of, you know, beating a dead horse, uh, nitpicking. So, you know, we we won't uh, jump too much other than to say that we're still getting a slow and grow on more vaccines getting out there. 173 million 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 people have been vaccinated, yeah. Uh, In fact, I saw that the state of Vermont Mm -hmm. is actually at 80% vaccinated. 80%, wow. 80%, the highest in the country. Yeah, I think the the thing the news that covered the most this, you know, we're here in Florida, so they covered the cruise ship discussion a great deal because, as you know... uh, Governor DeSantis had outlawed the idea of using the vaccine passport. Right. And then the cruises stated you had to have a vaccine passport. Right. So it's in front of a federal judge. Uh, yes. By the time we're, we air, maybe there'll be a decision there. But, right. But that's going to be interesting for the economy. Uh, but the yeah. the uh, the cruise lines are planning well, to ship seems, out. Dr. Mark, it seems like a lot of the businesses now are dropping a lot of their COVID regulations and restrictions. But even at Disney, now that they've dropped their mask. They're still saying that when you're on the monorails and on your transportation, you right. have to wear masks. Yeah, and the the public transportation statement that I again in the news, mm-hmm. um, that it seemed like there's going to be this the big planes. change. Yep. Well, you still have to wear it on the planes, on the buses, on the trains, right. but not in the public areas associated with those. That's correct. Yep, or in like that. buses that yep. had outdoor seating, which is not right. something too common that we see. Right. But but so really, again, it wasn't much of a change. What about personally, though? I mean, we've been uh, we well, traveled know, up to Atlanta, and yeah. it seems like it's it's really a one-off of what the owners of the establishments are are interested They're in. Pretty much leaving it up to owners. But yeah. you know, the other thing when we talked earlier about that these diseases during all the COVID conversation that we've had over the last year didn't take the year off. Right. Many of these diseases have actually multiplied in acute and chronic because people have ignored these by not wanting to go to the doctor. During well, this well, COVID e- period, ER visits, ER visits went way down. Outpatient surgery, yep, yep, uh, and all the electives. No, they're they're still. Uh, I can tell you that in in the surgery practices, I go to two hospitals and a surgery center, and the numbers still aren't back. Right, and as you point out, the diseases didn't suddenly go where, away. Where do you think they are, Doctor Mark? Well, I think there's a couple things going on. Uh-huh. People that can wait are waiting. Okay, I think that's the majority. Still? Yeah, yep. and you know people. You know, it's it's always hard to say what's the what's the best time because in mm-hmm. in the beginning they weren't sure what they were waiting for, right? And now it's they, once you start yeah. putting something off, you know, then you wait for it to get worse. Yeah. Until Speaking it of waiting, I saw a stat the other day that of the people that have not gotten the vaccine and are still 
uh, deciding whether they're going to take it or not, mm-hmm. 77% of those people that were surveyed never took a flu shot either. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a correlation. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, and you don't hear quite as much about the flu shot. No. Uh, but it is, other than the fact that there's discussions on whether or not employers can make some type of restriction right. as they have done with flu shot right. in some circumstances. Well, they so. can do incentives, if we talked about yes, last week, right. but they can't do they coercive can't, can't, uh, issues. No negative yeah, action. Yeah, right. You know, I know we were going to jump to this later, mm-hmm. but but you brought it up before we started the show today, and I really want to talk about it, and that's, okay. we mentioned the ER. Right. And so United Healthcare has yeah. uh, announced a really interesting policy that I'd like us to talk about. Sure. So they're reexamining their policy on emergency department visits. Right. So now what they're going to do is they're going to evaluate emergency department claims and determine if the visits were truly, truly necessary. Truly an emergency. Yeah. And then, assumingly, if they feel like they were not an emergency, they're going to withhold payment. And that, that policy actually changes for all United members effective July 1. So that is not a small thing. That's a huge, huge, huge deal. Yep. Now, in the long run, uh, I'm not sure how many groups get harmed by this, but there, there might be something good as we learn, but it's, it's going to be crazy well, when the people way that get the... United, I'm talking about surprise billing, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, the way that United... Well, you're right. That would end up in a surprise bill. Yep. But the way that United says that they're going to evaluate these ED claims is based on the presenting problems of the patient and also the intensity of the diagnostic services performed during the ER visit. Now, I can tell you, has over 30 years of experience working with claims and doing mm-hmm. things and, you know, let's, let's say something as simple as... Because you deal with trauma, too. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah. But even anything, say someone comes in with appendicitis, mm-hmm. they know they have appendicitis, you know, we know they have appendicitis, we operate on them, they have a pathology report, you send all the stuff to the folks that are supposed to cover that Pay claim, the yep. and they don't necessarily do it. Right. And, and that's as straightforward as it gets. Now, where does the burden fall in the emergency department on how this this becomes, yes, yep. it is something. And what if they even recognize that this is not going to be covered? What's their responsibility to perform any type of well, procedures? Let me, let me throw out some thoughts on that, mm-hmm. Dr. Mark. You know, uh, I guess one of the things that I would ask you as a trauma surgeon as well is, is this just a way for United to reduce their claims cost? Or is it a true attempt to educate and steer their members to more cost-effective care? I mean, I think it's too, That's a big it, question, it's too punitive it? yeah. to be education. Because there's too much at stake here. Because you know we're not talking about oh, you're going to get a twenty dollar bill if you walk oh, into an ER. Hundreds, oh, hundreds yeah. of dollars, maybe thousands, thousands of dollars. Thousands, yeah. And and if someone decided that you were going to get a CT scan while at the right. hospital, I mean, and and once you're there, you're not really in charge of your care in a sense. I mean, you can refuse That's care, true. but no, if you not, went to the ER, in charge, you know, That's right. and we don't want that that philosophy either. You know, mm-hmm. you, we want to go to an emergency room that you trust. Right. So. So I'll tell you where it's going to fall, I think. It's mm-hmm. going to fall on coding, how the ERs Absolutely. learn to code. And when I say learn, I'll air quote well, that because about you know, they got to make it work. Talking about diagnostic intensity services that right. we just talked about. Right, exactly. That's right. That's and, right. And, and now they're having to look at yep. why this is actually an emergency. Well, now, the American Hospital Association has urged United Healthcare to roll this new emergency policy back. That's not surprising, of course. And also, the CEO of United Healthcare uh, uh, was sent a letter by Brian Thompson, the CEO of the uh, 
American Hospital Association, stating that the new policy would, quote, put patients, health, and well-being in jeopardy. I mean, well, to I, that point, Larry, mm-hmm. we know that the hospital ERs have been abused historically for years. Without a doubt. Yep. yep well, we, that was why I asked the question earlier, yeah, John. If, if it's education. Is this a true opportunity for United to try and rein in some of these costs? I you know, as a, a, as a value-based provider of health care... Exactly. This is important. We don't want people going to the ER when they don't need to be in the ER. It is, but I, I but I think yeah. the the punitive side of it is still so strong. There's going to be a lot of pushback. Whereas if multiple payers had a plan, I mean, I th- it's all about right. policy, right. right? And if this policy is a unilateral policy saying we're not going to pay, I mean, I, it's going to hurt their business. You don't think there'll be fast followers yeah. from the other carriers? I, that, that's often what happens, but I, I bet you often. on this one, they're going to sit back yeah, and wait and see what the blowback's going to yeah. be, because this is big. This, this is, is big. Well, you you, know, gonna be a, there's going to be a lot more than you know what, what Brian Thompson had to say. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more of that from the CEOs yeah. of hospitals yeah. and saying, because are they... Are the patients really going to end up paying these bills? Yep. Are the hospitals going to? Who, somebody's going well, to have to pay. Let me give you a statement from the American Hospital Association on this that we haven't talked about. That it says patients are not medical experts and should not be expected to self-diagnose right. during what they believe is a medical emergency. And then they say threatening patients with a financial penalty for making the wrong decision could have a chilling effect on seeking emergency care. And and this folds right into with yep. the pandemic what we've been talking about, We're talking about people who are delaying their care because of concerns for their health in, in the pandemic. And now we're going to add to that right on the backside of this, when things may or may not be getting a little bit more calmed down, we're going to add to this that there might be some type of monetary issue in, in addition to, you know, am I going to get exposed to right. COVID? You know, it's just a, another thing. I mean, so I, it's, I don't know the t- the timing seems wrong. Yeah. The lack of well, particularly education during the seems pandemic. Wrong. That's yeah, exactly yeah, right, Dr. Right. Mark. I agree with that. But, you know, the other thing, when United reviewed their unnecessary ER use right. last year, cost them $32 billion. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. This, and, and I don't want to come off. As, this is a huge problem financially. Yes. No question at all. They've got to, they have to rein it in. But I don't see that, that this idea and i keep saying making policy and this is a policy yeah, it but, is. but i'm looking at it as as a group policy of, of a folks big policy of the, yeah and it's it's going to it's going to shake things up it's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting to see what the next step is yeah. also the american college of emergency physicians has also pushed back on this united healthcare policy sure but you know dr mark i think the move on united's part is exactly where employers and consumers want to be yes. in reining in these unnecessary rising out-of-pocket and premium cost, and it's all about education. Well, I mean, presumably, yeah. but I think that's given it a lot of credit. I think it is absolutely the right direction, the right conversation. Yes, yes. And it feels like, you know, these are, uh, the parents are getting tired of telling you over and over again not to do this, and now we're going right, to punish you. Right, right. It, just, it just seems like it's, I mean, you know how this works, right? You yeah. know how this is going to come down the road. Oh, I totally know. I mean, there's going to be a lot of blowback, but and it may hurt exactly the whole plan. But this is exactly where value base needs to go for sure. Ensuring the right care at the right cost, uh, at the right place. Right, and yeah. and the question becomes, who should be yeah. responsible for that? Because in our plan, right, it, with with IPN, the idea that we promote is that the caregivers direct the right care at the right time, the right That's place. Right. Right? That's right. That's and, right. And, and indeed, if we have a caregiver that really hasn't played that game, well, you know, that's really going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But 
and, and we do we we address that. Yeah. Well, in this case, it's United Very Healthcare, punitive, yeah. And and who yeah. are we going to well, go? Well, let me tell you about United Healthcare. Mm-hmm. They're the seventh number seven on the Fortune 500 United Health Group. Valued at over three hundred and thirty billion dollars. Well, this could, this could get him to number six. That's right. That's All right. right. Well, I think we've uh, run out of time for this uh, segment, and like I said, we've got some really good things coming up, John. Yep. Right. Please share your questions for Doctor Mark or Larry at four zero seven seven zero one seven four two four. You can always email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews dot com. And please note, we will absolutely answer all questions the next show. Back in two minutes. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. COVID-19 impacting your practice? Patients' visits down? Elective procedures pushed out? rx to live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, behavioral health screenings. Interested? rxtolive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I... I'm enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos, sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We've got a... uh, very good guest with us today, Dr. Victor Lawrence Roberts, who is uh, an endocrinologist with Endocrine Associates of Florida in Lake Mary, and we'll be giving his uh, office information, but he's also a professor of internal medicine at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine out in Lake Nona, and he has also served as past president of both the Seminole County Medical Society and the Orange County Medical Society. Welcome to Healthcare Now this afternoon, Dr. Roberts. We're delighted to have you. Absolutely delighted. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, uh, in our notes, in your your practice was established in uh, 1988 uh, in offices Correct. in Lake Mary. Tell us a little bit Actually, about you. Uh-huh. Started, yeah, started out, uh, mm-hmm. quite frankly, in downtown Orlando. I had been in practice in uh, Dallas, Texas from 
85 to 88, and then uh, for various reasons we relocated to Central Florida in 88 and been here ever since, and I've been gradually migrating from uh, Orlando up to uh, South Seminole County, where right. I'm located now. I've been in Lake Mary mm-hmm. since around 2010. Okay. Yeah, great. Lake Mary's a great area. Yeah. Now, we'll yeah. probably hit you up as we talk mm-hmm. a little bit about the, the changes that you've seen in this area, but I don't want sure. to pull away from yeah. the, the main topic. If you can sort of enlighten our listeners on, on what does an endocrinologist do? What's your right. practice all about? When patients come to see me, it's hard enough to even pronounce endocrinologist, let alone understand (laughs) what we we do. And I just tell them, certainly if they're coming with uh, issues related to diabetes, I just say, you can call me a sugar doc. That's that's fine. Right. Uh, Just don't call me a sugar daddy. (laughs) We'll we'll suffice. I love it. Right. And basically, uh, I'm in plain language, I'm a body chemist. Uh, I'm looking at various chemicals in our business, we call them hormones, uh, which facilitate uh, metabolism. Uh, Everybody's got uh, hormone activity in their body, uh, and in some instances it's either doing too much or it's doing too little. And my job in simple language is to lower which is too high and raise which is too low. Right, And so it's a balancing act, uh, like a chemical experiment. Uh, we have to balance the chemistries so that uh, folks not only have uh, an improvement in their laboratory testing, but they feel better. Right. Now, we'll, we'll probably talk a good bit about diabetes today because right. it's probably the, or is the most common thing that you might be dealing with. But maybe just mention a couple of the other issues because if a listener gets said, well, I'm going to go see the endocrinologist, my doctor said, but my problem's with my thyroid. Yeah, He's the diabetes, diabetes doc. Right, Just right. a couple of the other things. Right. That you do. right. Yeah, that's a that's a good, a good point. I, I would say I spend about a half of my day uh, in the office managing diabetes directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 40% of my time is uh, taken up with thyroid issues, all expressions of thyroid problems. The other 10% uh, make up things such as osteoporosis and mm-hmm. problems with cholesterol, triglyceride, known as hyperlipidemia, uh, pituitary issues, which is not a word that's a common household uh, language, but basically it's a gland that's uh, in your head, and it makes various hormones that balance the metabolism. So when it's not working properly, we take a look at that. Uh, and things of that sort. Uh, we handle a lot of metabolic syndrome issues. Metabolic syndrome is now a, a term that's used a lot in our business. It has to do with people who are not necessarily but usually overweight or obese and mm-hmm. may or may not have diabetes or prediabetes, have issues with their uh, cholesterol, triglyceride, blood pressure, they might have uh, gout. Uh, they certainly are at increased risk for cardiovascular disease. Uh, and this is a very, unfortunately, a very common issue uh, in the U.S. population. And, and a growing issue in numbers. I mean, it's, it's something you're probably seeing more and more of, but it does relate to diabetes in a lot of the right. patients. So Yeah, you- and if you, if you look at the data, and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, um, actually has a uh, public domain website with the very uh, beautiful PowerPoint slides, cdc.gov, and you can actually uh, superimpose 
the uh, epidemic, and it is an epidemic. We heard about pandemic with COVID. Well, diabetes is an epidemic, right. uh, and it uh, is superimposable right on top of the epidemic of obesity. Wow. So right. it's it's not necessarily that obese people are diabetic, but most people with diabetes are overweight or obese. Right. So you need to have multiple issues at play in order for someone to become diabetic. Right. Right. Dr. Roberts, the stats in the U.S. say that uh, over 34 million U.S. adults have diabetes, but there's another one in five, which is 20 percent, don't even know they have diabetes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it is it is troubling, and, and part of the reason is that the approximately 7.5 million people uh, in the United States as of 2018, that's probably more like 9 million now, um, that don't have a diagnosis. It's because it's a silent, uh, silent disease, at least uh, early on. We hear about hypertension being a silent killer. Well, so is diabetes if it's not properly uh, managed. It can lead to all kinds of uh, issues which we can and should uh, prevent and often do when we uh, see patients with this condition mm-hmm. and treat them with uh, many of the options that are available. But the problem is is that you can be walking around with high blood sugars and really not know it. Now, that's not to make people paranoid because all you got to do is uh, talk with your primary care physician, whoever that may be, uh, your primary uh, care uh, health provider and have a fasting blood test done as part of your yearly health checks and that's yeah, a good your, way your to lab your lipid, lipid panel yeah yeah, right. yeah they're doing mm-hmm. doing a, a a blood glucose or blood sugar a lipid panel mm-hmm. uh chemistries and things of that sort and that's uh standard uh operating uh procedure yeah, for majority of primary yeah. care physicians yeah now Speaking of sort of the standard, what's the standard description between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Yeah, and that's that's an important uh, distinction. Uh, approximately 90 to 95% of all people with diabetes have type 2 diabetes. And some 5 to 10%, depending on the population and where in the world you're studying this, 5 to 10% have type 1. And type 1, uh, formerly referred to as juvenile onset diabetes, or insulin-dependent diabetes is usually diagnosed early in someone's life uh, as a child, a teenager, young adult, although you can get diagnosed in your 40s, 50s, and beyond with type 1 diabetes, but it's not as common. Uh, it's an autoimmune condition, meaning that there is um, a problem with the pancreas not being recognized as belonging to the individual who owns it. It's sort of like pancreas rejection. Mm-hmm. And so the antibodies beat up on the pancreas, destroy the beta, B-E-T-A, cells that make insulin, and the insulin uh, levels drop. And when they drop uh, dramatically, uh, people get sick. Uh, they often end up in the emergency room uh, with dehydration and very high blood sugars, nauseated. And clearly that can be turned around pretty quickly, uh, particularly if they show up in an emergency room. But those folks invariably mm-hmm. remain on insulin for their lifetime. Type 2 diabetes is much more common, um, and uh, frequently we can uh, use oral agents pills, in other words, to manage uh, the diabetes. And sometimes we have to 
jump in with injectables on top of the uh, pills to keep the blood sugar under control. The astounding statistic is that there are, as of now, there are over 400 million people in the world with diabetes. So wow. you take the population of the United States and add about another 70 or 80 million, yeah. and you scatter them around the world, and all those people are diabetic. And the majority of them, again, have type 2 diabetes. Yeah, that's interesting that just your statement right off that uh, – Five, only 5 to 10% are the type 2 diabetes, but as you know, I'm in the pediatric surgical world, and it's very much skewed where I, I would have got that wrong on a multiple-choice test for sure <laughs> because I see much more yeah. uh, you know, of that, that type 2 diabetes in the, the age groups. Yeah, yeah and, and that's another important point. Uh, there is actually an epidemic of type 2 diabetes in the, uh, in the young, in the pediatric population. Uh, there is, unfortunately, just too many children, uh, uh, preteen and teenagers, that are morbidly obese, and they have developed type 2 wow. diabetes. Because in the past, we thought if it's a child and they have diabetes, it must be type 1. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. And so depending upon the ethnicity, the race, family history, and things of that nature, uh, a patient may be a 13-year-old and, and be, and I've seen them, over 200 pounds, um, and they have uh, type 2 diabetes. Well, you know, it shows that in the last 20 years, Dr. Roberts, that the uh, incidence of adult-diagnosed diabetes has more than doubled. Can you talk about why that may be the case? Obesity. Okay. Simple as One that. One word. Yep. Just simple as that. Simple. People, are just, yep. people are just too heavy. Yep. Uh, we have, uh, right now in this country, uh, we're talking about the United States only, mm-hmm. approximately two-thirds of all adults are either overweight or obese. Boy, that's... So if you're thin or normal body weight, you're a minority in this country. Now. Right. Okay? That's staggering. So that's it. Yep. Um, if we were able to uh, avoid people getting overweight or obese, we'd eliminate probably right off the top at least half of the cases of diabetes, and we'd probably bring a halt to the pandemic and the epidemic of type 2 diabetes in the world, not only in the Well, it can't, obesity can't be just about eating, Dr. Roberts. What other issues no. play into that? That's right. Well, yeah. family history is very important. Um, obese people tend to come from families where there's obesity. Uh, by definition, obesity is a body mass index of 30 or greater, and overweight is 25.1 to 29.9. Now, not to confuse the audience, but basically, you, you don't need uh, to be a statistician to recognize if somebody is overweight, and certainly right. uh, obesity is all over. I, I just flew in uh, visiting some family up north, and I walked through the airport, and uh, it seemed that every other person was obese. Yeah, um, Doctor Roberts, we're uh, we're up at a hard break. Uh, can you join us for a second segment? Absolutely. Okay, busy on Saturday afternoons. Never miss an episode of Healthcare Now. You can uh, listen to us at theanswerorlando.com, Apple Pods, Spotify, even the Orlando Medical News dot com, and be sure to like us. We'll be right back. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. 
I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cv. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Let's talk about healthcare issues, surprise billing, navigating a confusing market, healthcare now. The truth about U.S. healthcare, Saturday afternoons, 1 to 2 p.m., AM 950, FM 94.9. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We're talking with Dr. Victor Lawrence Roberts, an endocrinologist in Lake Mary, who has been in this community for many, many years. And uh, to take up where we left off, Dr. Roberts, we were talking about what is the cause of obesity, and you were just getting into some of the issues there. Yeah, the, the, it's not so much of a simple answer, but the truthful answer is we don't really know what causes obesity. Because I'm convinced, because I deal with this on a daily basis, that there are a lot of people who are overweight or obese who are not necessarily eating more than me. And I'm not obese. So why is that? There's got to be some genetic makeup in folks that uh, predispose them or make them at higher risk for becoming obese. Uh, Think of obesity in terms of economics, balancing the equation. Um, If you put a certain amount of calories into your body and you don't burn them off during the day, you're going to store it usually is fat. And in the last uh, year, haven't we seen more and more of that due to COVID? Yes. Uh, it, that's actually a very good point, Larry. Uh, oh. People have hunkered down uh, in uh, their homes uh, and uh, have not gone out. They've cut down uh, dramatically on their exercise, going to the gyms and so forth. So it's very common on a daily basis for me to talk to people who are coming in and saying they unfortunately have gained 10, 20 or more pounds. Simply, it's not their fault. It's simply because their routines have been thrown off. Exercise, if I can just plug that for a moment. Exercise is therapeutic, not only uh, makes you feel better, but it absolutely 
is something that can rev your metabolism. People come mm-hmm. in here and they say to me regularly, well, what can I do to increase my metabolism? My metabolism is slow. Uh, most of the time, their metabolism is perfectly fine. What right. I tell them is, if you really want to rev your metabolism, exercise. Mm-hmm. Get a pair of good shoes. You don't have to join a gym. Get a good pair of shoes. Walk. Fast running. Bicycle. Bowling. uh Tennis, golf, you know, we live in Central Florida. For the most part, we have nice weather. Uh, it's it's uh, encouraging to go outside and, and enjoy those activities. And exercise will help your metabolism greatly. It's been shown in studies that people who diet, whatever their diet is to lose weight, are much more likely to be successful if they combine it with three to five days of exercise. And in the absence of exercise, it's less likely that the patients will be successful long term with weight loss. Right, and we should probably differentiate them. There's a there is a difference between that. Geez, you know, I put on that that five, ten, twenty pounds during COVID, and am I am I at risk for type two diabetes? You know, because there it's yeah. it's really there as you were expressing. It's it's more to it than that because some people can put on considerable weight and not have these issues where others really do just step right out of the box, whether it's a genetic propensity. I mean, it's a combination of all these things for certain. Yeah, and it should be mentioned since we are in Florida uh, that the uh, burgeoning uh, minority groups, uh, folks that are of uh, Hispanic descent, African-American, American Indians, um, Asian Americans are at higher risk for developing usually type 2 diabetes than Caucasians. Specifically, if you're Caucasian, you have a risk of diabetes uh, if you have a family history of about 7.5%. But if you're Hispanic, it's almost double that. Uh, if you're an African American, it's almost double that. If you're an American Indian or Alaskan Native, it's even higher. It's uh, almost two and a half times that. So you need to also factor in the not only the genetics, the family history, if you will, the patient's lifestyle, but also their uh, racial background, their ethnicities, and so forth. Because some of that, well, I mean, individuals can't change that. You can't change your right. parents. I mean, you yep. may want to, but you can't. Yep. Um, and, no, no legal uh, document it, really makes that work. <laughs> it, it, that's right. It, it is what it is, but... Yeah. The thing that we do in our practice to sort of focus on sort of what to do about it, solutions need to be mentioned here, is to focus on the patient's needs. Not so much wants, but needs. What does the patient really need right now? That's what I tell the medical students when they come here. Your first job as a doctor is to figure out what do I need to do right now for this patient, okay, and get to it and get it done and initiate it and get the patient on board. In order for the patients with chronic metabolic disease to succeed, they have to have what I call the ABC of, of uh, treatment, and that is their attitude has to be correct. They have to make sure they want to do it, they're going to do it, and understand why they do it. Their B, their behavior has to be uh, productive. It has to be 
healthy. It has to make sure that they don't do things that are potentially going to harm them. And then and the C is consistency. So they have to have the right attitude, the right behavior, and be consistent. Everybody can be a superstar for two weeks and lose five pounds. Yeah, we're going right. to use those ABCs, Dr. Yeah, I like Roberts. That. I love that. Yeah, we, I, all, I, we all scratch that down. I, 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 I made that up. I mm-hmm. give you per- license to use it <laughs> any way you. you want. I actually just uh, sent I out to this, print a T-shirt. So I we're do good. this for patients all the time, and I, you can actually use that. It's nothing... Mm-hmm really uh, uh, un, unremarkable. Basically, what I think is you can use that with basically any yeah. Tell Dr. Mark you want royalties. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, I don't want any royalties. I, what I want is patients to understand right. that they have to be advocates. If I have to summarize what we do in our practice, if, if it's anything that we do, is that we get the patient involved with their health care. Passive people yep. tend to lose in life if they don't take active yep. roles in their health Dr. Roberts, this whole show is about building educated health care consumers. And this conversation we're having today with you couldn't be more relevant than what our mission of this broadcast is all about. Agreed. All right. Hopefully yeah. it's helpful. Yeah, very much so. Well, you know, I think that... I think we got a lot of good background, yep. um, and I know we again we don't the, the time flies so quickly. Yep. You've been you've been at this for a long time. Can you go through some of the highlights of of the aha moments and the progression in medical care and in pharmacy, whatever that has, has really moved the the needle ahead? And yeah. what yeah, hasn't? Pharma, big pharma, yeah. how that's played a role, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I think what really uh, got my attention is when I started to study not only statistics medically but financially, uh, just to throw a few things out which you may be aware of. As of 2018, the cost of diagnosed diabetes uh, in the United States was nearly $330 billion. Wow. Okay, of that, approximately $100 billion was in reduced productivity. People that were disabled, people that were out of work, uh, people that were sick and had to see a doctor a lot, uh, and that's astounding. If you drill down astounding. into Florida, we have approximately 2 million people in Florida that have diabetes, or about 12% of the adult population. And the direct medical expenses in Florida for 2017 were $19 billion. So hmm. I look at this and I say, hmm, this is an expensive proposition. We know that people with diabetes are going to spend two to three times as much as people with diabetes yearly for their health care. Why is that? Well, it's because it's a complicated disease. There really isn't a cheap way or an easy way to treat diabetes. It tends to be expensive. Pharma has been a big help in giving us terrific medications. By the way, mm-hmm. I have to put a plug in for insulin. This is the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin wow. by Banting and Best and McLeod. Banting and Best got the Nobel Prize in 1921, 22. And 1922 was actually the first year that a human being was treated with insulin. So it's been around 100 years, and it's gone through so many permutations, so many changes. We now have really super good insulins uh, that can help patients if they should need that. In terms of pill therapy, we only have all of these great new options in the last 10 or 20 years. Up until 1995, all we had was sulfonylureas and insulin. And in 1995, we got metformin, which is, of course, uh, very commonly used in diabetes. And then after that, 
in uh, the 2000s, in the last 20 years, we've had more than a dozen to 15 brand new medications and formulations of medications, both by pill, by injection, and in some instances, even by nasal administration to manage diabetes. Extraordinary. Insulin pumps, can't say enough good things about it. Not everybody with diabetes should or can wear an insulin pump, but it's a different way to deliver insulin. I would say in the last five to 10 years, the thing that has been most dramatic in improving the lives of people with diabetes is continuous glucose monitoring. And that's that thing you see on TV where they um, have someone uh, uh, flash, uh, it looks like the cell phone on their arm and they right. get their blood sugar without sticking the finger. I actually uh, know someone so that's I, doing that now. Yeah, they love right. it versus so sticking the, the finger. Libre and the, the Libre, Libre and the yeah. Dexcom are right. very, very good tools. I mm-hmm. prescribe them probably no less than six times a day here wow. in the office, particularly if patients are on insulin, uh, because most insurances will cover it if the patient's on multi-ejections of insulin. But uh, it is an extraordinary tool. I would say it's the best thing that's happened for the diabetic. Why? Because it allows the patient to become actively involved in their care. If you stick your finger at 8 o'clock in the morning, it doesn't tell you anything what your blood sugar is going to be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And you can't ask the patient to stick their finger 20 times a day. That's just not not impossible. It's not going to happen. Well, I know a a diabetic that I deal with, they say that they take their insulin uh, test four times a day, and without the Libra, it it would be very difficult. Dr. Roberts, Yeah, because it's constantly Mm -hmm. changing. Yeah. Yep. We, we, I was going to ask you a, a question that we certainly don't have time to answer, but I think you've answered it really well. And it was just what message would you send our listeners about the, you know, tr- dealing with any stage of diabetes? But you have done a fantastic job yes. of explaining and motivating and your ABCs. We're going to we're going to use on that. We sure we're, we're going to use it and grow may, it. May I make may I make if it's a closing yes. comment? Yes. Sure. Please please do. Absolutely. Do. I have time to yep. say. Yep. Yep. I, I would say this. This is how I tell patients. It's never good to have diabetes, but this is a great time to have diabetes because (laughs) there's so much more available now for patients. When I started in medicine over 40 years ago, hate to admit that, but it's been a long time, um, basically our tools were not sharp. They were dull, and they weren't effective. Now we have sharp, great, terrific, effective tools that can bring people close to, if not normal, in their metabolic profiles, help them feel better. And the most important point here is reduce the risk of complications, the blindness, the amputation, the kidney failure, the heart disease. Right. Well, thank you, Roberts. This has been a great conversation for our listeners today. Thank you so much for taking your time away from your patients to be on our show, and hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Absolutely, absolutely. Dr. Roberts, this is John. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. If our audience would like to uh, get a hold of you to schedule an appointment, uh, how can they reach you? We're located uh, on Lake, uh, by Lake Mar- in Lake Mary in Lake Mary Boulevard on North Sun Drive. Uh, our telephone number is 407-936-3860, 407-936-3860, and I am in the office five days a week, and there is another doctor that's here a couple days a week as well, and so we're happy to help folks out if they feel that we can be of assistance. Okay, thank you, doctor. And we'll be back in two minutes with one of Florida's best-kept healthcare secrets. Thank you. Thank you. 
It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Looking for affordable or professional video differentiating your business from competitors? Brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com, 407-860-3035. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. That was a great couple of segments with Dr. It Roberts. Was. It so was. So Dr. Victor Roberts, endocrinology. Victor t- Lawrence oh, Roberts. Victor, Victor Lawrence Roberts. Because there are two yeah. Victor Roberts. That's, that's right. Head. Right at Lake right. Mary. There, there the you other go. other one's a primary okay. care physician. All right. Well, I, yeah. I've always just called him Dr. Roberts. So, Me too. So he's been in town uh, since, since the day I got here. Since 88. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah since yeah. well before yeah. I was yeah. I got here. And wow, he has seen so many things. And he really, he's motivational. Oh, I love his ABCs. Can you imagine teaching new med students his, oh, yeah. his specialty? Yep, yep. And he's, what a joy that would be! No, I'm telling you, it's, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that he gets high marks for for the the education side. And yep. but yep. He, but he's really, and he said it. He's really yep. here to educate yep. his patients. You know, he also sits on our advisory yep, board for IPN. Yep. There's no there's no I accident don't know when there. He sleeps. <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> definitely a busy man. And you know, busy. Some of the numbers that surprised me the most, I knew or at least suspected that diabetes would have been the thing that takes the majority of his time, or a lot of right, his time, but right. it is really he said about the vast. Yeah, yeah, it half, is definitely yeah. the majority. Yep. And then the other stat that, that we were talking about, type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So again, I was surprised. Yeah, in pediatrics, yeah. we see both, mm-hmm. uh, but the type 1 isn't seen as much in the adult as far as onset goes. So he had, he had mentioned that in type 1 diabetes, which is mm-hmm. insulin-dependent, uh, typically starts when you're younger, that that accounts for, maybe, what do you say, 5 to 10% of the population Five to 10, of, yeah. of child diabetes? Child diabetes, yeah. yeah. So type 2 diabetes. Now, can you outgrow child diabetes, Dr. No, Mark? No. Okay, you no, can't. My understanding okay. is no, because okay. it is an autoimmune process. I'm thinking of like child asthma right, and things no. like that. Yeah, yeah. This, the, it actually does permanent destruction okay. to those beta cells okay. that, that make, make the insulin. So And they can have a lot of really uh, scary consequences when they're first diagnosed because as you'd mentioned 
that one in five folks don't know they don't have even diabetes. Know they have it. Yeah. And so it has yeah. to present some yeah. way or another. Yeah. Now, type 2 diabetes is, is different. Mm-hmm. Still quite, you know, they're quite deadly. I mean, we didn't really come down on it, but right. they, they, it's a lifelong thing, and it really works on right. every organ on your body. Right. But in type 2 diabetes, we, we think about that as more an acquired issue. Well, you know, but type there's 2 more diabetes to it than that. is the number one leading reason for kidney failure. Right. In America. Right. Yep, sure, sure. And, and so so a lot yep. of folks end out on dialysis, on transplant, and then there's that argument of, you know, who gets transplanted with limited organs, right. someone with a chronic right. disease, right. but with, with diabetes, it's a big deal. Now, Dr. Mark, a quick question, because in the high school, I'm starting to see a lot of uh, student athletes that are not obese, are not sedentary, they're lean and they're muscular, but they're wearing that patch on the arm, and I have to monitor. These are your basketball guys? They are some yeah, basketball yeah, players. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd really have to go to Dr. Roberts there because I'd tell you that type 2 diabetes, it, it, you never say never, but they are always going to have a weight issue. So whether these are type 1, which I wouldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the other issue is there's overdiagnosis of everything that we do. And so right. I'm not I'm not sure right. you know how to how to even approach that, but that's that's something certain certainly well, you we know, can ask on a, about. On a lighter note, and I know diabetes is a very very serious situation, but it, it seems to me, in my observation, when I go to a restaurant, my portion that I order is way too. It could be half. No, well that's so our, why not cut habits. the portions and right. cut the price? Well, as as Dr. Roberts <laughs> was talking about, like why yeah. why do we have such this you yeah. know this large number yeah. of patients? Okay, there there's there's genetics, right? There's the environment, right? You know, and the environment includes our habits. Yep. You know, and and that is a habit because and the reason it, you when, can't do it. How long it, did your mother tell you as a child? Make sure you clean your plate. Right. Right. Well. <laughs> well. But at at home you serve what you serve. Yeah. But if you go out to a restaurant in the United States, I can't even eat the portions. But, they serve. but if you get something that they would serve to you in other countries. You know what the heck am I paying that much for this? That's because exactly it's a right. volume, and it's wrong. That's it's right. the wrong way to think. It's but that's how we think. Yep. That is how. That's we how think. we think. That's right. I will look at all the. Uh, we're not going to start uh, bringing up the different buffet. I was in Georgia last last week, and so they have they have buffet names that uh, that we don't have here. Or I haven't seen here, yep. and that thought. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Portion, well, portion one, control for weight control. Could, but there's one restaurant in particular, which I'm not going to indict on the radio show, no, no. but their portions are ridiculous. Yeah, no, but it is. And and their business is based upon that. Yeah. But we, I, I had so many interesting conversations with some of my uh, young nieces and nephews uh, this this last <laughs> week in Georgia, and it made me laugh because... Well, their 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 dietary practices are considerably different than mine, um, yeah. and they 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 didn't agree that I was a, a second degree vegan because I only ate vegans. But <laughs> but so we had all these different discussions. But as you drive down the road and you see the number of new hamburger places that pop up everywhere, barbecue places. Oh my goodness, you know. <laughs> so it is, but but we are we're 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 not really off, we're a little off topic, but not really because that's the yeah. idea. A huge amount yep. of contribution to type two diabetes. Yeah is the environment they yep. grow up in. Typically, the patients are overweight, as are yeah. other members of their family, and because it starts at home. And it's funny, you you mentioned hamburger places. Uh, there's a new hamburger place in town that takes you two hours to get through the uh, drive-thru, oh, down okay. on International Drive, the new White Castle. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh no, no, no brand. Well, maybe they'll send us some, uh, send us some White Castle. It's a two-hour wait to White get Castles. through the, the drive-thru line. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. I'll pass. There's, there's some marketing... <laughs> Well, you know, if they put some treadmills 
in the line. You know, maybe they could combine could things, help. and it yeah. might might make it a little bit more reasonable. Well, but. well Dr. Mark, uh, let's talk about something else. We've talked about diabetes, type 1, type 2. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about gestational diabetes and prediabetes. Well, prediabetes is a description of someone who would be at risk, right? So, right. so you right. might be at risk because mm-hmm. you let's say that you get your uh, blood test and your your glucose is a little high. They're yep. probably going to do an additional like glucose challenge. And again, yep. Dr. Roberts can correct me left yep. and right here. I think and I, in that number of di- uh, the glucose level mm-hmm. uh, over 120 something I'm, like I'm not, that. Yeah, may, may, yeah, I'm not even going to go. Yeah, we because it depends on if it's fasting or not fasting. That's true. That's so, true. Yeah. So you might have an elevated level when you shouldn't, and and mm-hmm. but perhaps you tolerated the testing like a glucose challenge. But there's still an idea that you might be on the cusp. So that would be right. prediabetes. Okay. Um, if you're over 45 years of age, uh, and every every one of these starts with overweight. Right. Now, can you turn it all around? My understanding is a high percentage of folks can turn it around with weight loss. If they're pre-diabetic and they manage this well, through diet. Well, I know diet. you can turn blood pressure around with weight loss. For sure. I don't know sure. about diabetes. Yeah. But. Well, you can't turn all yep. blood pressure around with weight loss. So okay. if you've got... Okay. If you've got the the genes for, uh, you know, the the listeners can't see through the uh, mic here, but I would not be considered overweight by any stretch of the imagination. No, no way. Uh, But both my parents had hypertension, and neither of them were overweight. But so you do. So that's that's another piece that sometimes you just can't get away from. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you you definitely have to look at these risk factors. And then you mentioned gestational diabetes, Mm -hmm. and it's just what it sounds like. It's someone who is not diabetic. They're not type one. They're not type two. But during pregnancy, they have the the issue of controlling their glucose okay. levels during okay. pregnancy. Okay. And I'm not going to go out there since we didn't prep this and, and give you the, the physiology there, but it can greatly affect the child. Okay. Um, the, the kids can often be, they're typically a, a little bit larger than, yep. than they would have otherwise predicted, and they okay. can have other okay. perinatal problems that, that other okay. kids don't have. Okay. But it's also very well managed if it's recognized. So okay. and and then when the and then when the patient is no longer pregnant, right. they are typically not well, you diabetic. Know, Dr. Roberts spent quite a bit of time uh, talking about exercise, Dr. Mark. Right, and of course he talked about diet as well. But those seem to be the two uh, most contributing factors for sure. And we're talking about yep. type two, two mm-hmm. diabetes, and to be fair, when we're talking about type one, being careful on the way you take care of your, your body's being challenged as it is. So trying to be heart healthy, you know, trying to eat the right things and trying to get the right amount of exercise, it's going to balance some of the damage that having diabetes ha- has mm-hmm. done. But if you're going to be successful in losing weight, maintaining that loss is is difficult. Right. And exercise, and, and I think people get turned off when we say exercise. We don't necessarily mean that you got to pay money, join a gym, or have run a trainer. Five miles a day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's activity. And, and in fact, if we just flip that and said, well, it's elevating not your heart being rate, sedentary, right? elevating yep. your heart yep. rate, there have yep. been, been lots over the years, depending on what disease you're looking for, if you're looking for decreasing stroke or decreasing heart attack, or decreasing mm-hmm. diabetes, there are different exercises over the years that have become popular. How many times a week do you have to get your heart rate over a certain number? That's, it's a moving target. But if we lessen the amount of time that we're sedentary, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the start. Right, that's the start. That might have to fit on the ABC Get off the somewhere. Couch. So cut yep. your grass, 
Go weed the garden for your wife. It's too hot, John. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, see, we can't we can't make medical advice things because somebody's going to have heat stroke out there. That's or, right, or get struck by yeah. lightning. But tell at, that to my wife. Yeah. Like, I, I don't I'll, want to I'll get r- sick. I will write you a note. I will write you a note. I promise. <laughs> I'm yeah. a prescription pad. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. you know, Doctor Mark, hopefully we've shed some light on this potentially very debilitating chronic illness. Yes. And I think there have been so many new advances in medicine and diabetes treatment over the last five years. I think life managing diabetes can be much easier today if our listeners and our people on diabetes seek proper treatment, Dr. Mark. Absolutely. And we didn't even have time to get to some of the up and coming treatments, right. some of the stem cell treatments, some of the True. the islet yep. cell transplants. And, you know, these are are still fairly experimental. They're quite expensive, yep. often not covered by insurance. But over time, as technology grows, Hopefully, costs come down and availability of these things that are actually cures. Right. Can you, right. Uh, cure right, for diabetes. Right, right. Well, Larry and Dr. Mm-hmm. Mark, another Saturday with Central Florida's most intelligent audience is winding down, and we need to recognize our advertising partners Diana Sicato with Sicato Films, John Fogarty with RX to Live, Thought Swift, April and Mary Catherine with Counseling Resource Services, and myself, John Kelly, and the Orlando Medical News. A huge thanks to uh, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA and Larry Jones with the Integrated Independent Physicians Network. And uh, a really important reminder, you can listen to Healthcare Now and like us at TheAnswerOrlando.com, Apple Pods, Spotify, OrlandoMedicalNews.com. Thank you. Larry, a final thought for our audience? Yeah, John, this has been a great show today. Dr. Mark, thank you for all your input on this. Thanks to Dr. Roberts. And again, for our listeners, take time to become an educated healthcare consumer. It's one of the best ways you can to protect your family. See you next week, Dr. Mark. Next week. Take care, gentlemen. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to TheAnswerOrlando.com.